You, my friend, are listening to the Happy Hearthstone. This episode is brought to you, as all other episodes are, by listeners just like you. Thank you so much, Typical Tyrant, Chris M., Nicholas D., Nick Patrick, Jordan L., Algaron, Zorocio, Clay HS, and Beef Squatch for making this show happen. You can join them and get some great perks for yourself over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And don't forget, just this month, if you join at the $5 or above level, you will get a special shout-out in the new book I'm writing. Again, patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Happy Hearthstone, the longest-running Hearthstone podcast in the history of space and time and cards. I'm your host, Andrew Brown. Boy, howdy, did I miss every single one of you. And if you're thinking I'm not talking to you, then you don't know me, and don't you try and tell me that I didn't miss you, because I did, okay? Uh, it is it is so great to be back. I spent a couple weeks ago in Florida. I uh, told you about that in a weird pre-recorded episode uh, that ended up being so much fun with Dexter. I hope all of you enjoyed that and listened to it. It really was a joy to make that and uh, still so thankful for Dexter uh, that he'd take some time and hang out with all of us and really make us all better players in the meantime. And uh, I tell you what, this past week, I I couldn't even begin to describe uh, just how much of a blur it was because my full-time job was insanity, uh, my part-time job was a whirlwind, and then uh, family just needed a lot of extra love as well. So unfortunately, wasn't able to get behind the mic this past week, but I tell you what, it's so good to be back with you, and uh, I'm so thankful for every single one of you being patient <laughs> and hanging in there. And uh, I tell you what, we're going to hit it hard because I have got the one and only Doge TK with me. He's been a friend for a while of the show, part of our community. And uh, man, this has been such a long time coming and I'm so thankful that we finally get to sit down and hang out. What's going on? How are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Happy to be here on the Happy Hearthstone. Happy to uh, sort of make my debut on the podcasting sphere. Does it feel fresh and new and like uh, I, I, debut is like something that has been in the works for a while and leads into something? Are we are we at the the brink of a career here, my friend? <laughs> oh, maybe not a career. We've got to see where my <laughs> acting goes for that. But I'm definitely. I'll keep it on the back burner. There you go, man. Well, you never know until you until you try. And uh, I'm so thankful to have you here, man. Um, like like I mentioned, Doshi K has been a member of the community. He's actually been a supporter on Patreon for a while too. And uh, we've just become friends through uh, through talking about this awesome game. So uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm sure we got members in the community who have connected with you, others who maybe haven't. So who are you, Doge TK? How did you get into this game that we call Heart? stone how did you get into gaming and uh yeah who are you we really want to know the real doge behind the doge <laughs> oh well uh, as you said i'm doge ck i've uh gotten a hearthstone i want to say around grand tournament never really played it too seriously a friend of mine got me into it uh i'm one of the rarities that wasn't into too many card games before i mean growing up i played pokemon i bought some magic cards, but never really played. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until about, uh, yeah, about 2010, maybe, somewhere around there, when uh, 
a good friend of mine said, hey, you've got to check out this Hearthstone game. I see you play StarCraft II a lot, uh, and if you like the Blizzard things, we'll just uh, see how it goes. Mm. So StarCraft was your first love when it comes to Blizzard games? Oh, yeah, I grew up playing uh, StarCraft One and Brood Wars, and I had to wait nice. 12 years for StarCraft Two. <laughs> I was not disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's about as long as uh, Endgame fans had to wait for... Uh for that after infinity war unfortunately oh yeah at least that's that what was, it felt uh, like <laughs> felt like a long time well that's awesome man so so what was that like for you then getting your um getting your uh your wits about you as far as card games and stuff was it was it a natural fit or like i guess when did you notice too when you were really uh, sunk into this game and it was a big part of your life oh um well, at first, it was just a sort of fun thing to do on the side, you know, collect the cards, play some games. I didn't get much, uh, I didn't get much play in, and mm-hmm. didn't get much uh, serious play in for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really dedicated to uh, my chess studies and playing in chess tournaments at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. So Hearthstone was just sort of something to uh, decompress, odd as it may sound, uh, decompress after chess tournaments or in between chess tournaments just so I didn't get burnt out. Mm. Um, But it wasn't until about um, Rastakhan's Rumble where I decided, I sat down and thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to give Hearthstone a a real go at it. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to learn, I'm going to connect to the community and see where we can go with this. And Mm. I've been hooked on that ever since really that's awesome was there something about rostakhan's rumble in particular or was that just the timing of your life where it was just like man i I just want more of this game uh i I think it was the timing it was um i had played in some chess tournaments at the uh end of last year and i was starting to get burnt out on, on that i could feel it you know it was becoming more of a chore than an enjoyment to go to a chess tournament and sit down for hours on end playing one game mm-hmm. at a time, trying to grind my rating up in that, see if I can't get to the master level. So uh, I really just sort of took some self-inventory and thought to myself, I am a competitive person. I need something competitive in my life, but chess right now is no fun for me, and if it's no fun, then I'm just going to start tanking. Mm-hmm. So I took up uh, Hearthstone, and it's been uh, it's been fun ever since. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, it's, it's interesting, and I know we're going to talk about this more in like our main topic around uh, sort of your background in chess and stuff. So I'll hold it off till then. Um, but tell me just sort of what it's been like for you. You mentioned that that was also kind of when you decided to throw yourself into communities and stuff. Uh, were you surprised by the highs or the lows of the Hearthstone community, and and what's that journey looked like for you? Uh, truthfully, there in my experience, there haven't been many lows, and the lows that have come about have been handled uh, incredibly gracefully in That's my uh, in my observation. You know, whenever there's a problem within the community, it's sort of just addressed right away, for the most part. And you know, uh, at least the communities that I'm involved in, you know, Coin Concede, uh, of course, the Happy Hearthstones community, Wicked Goods over at Off Curve, all mm-hmm. of those are very much just like, this is a bad thing, and it shouldn't be a thing that happens in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there, and it's, uh, you know, the communities are all incredibly supportive of each other. Uh, it's all a friendly competition, which we don't really find, we have in chess, but sometimes it gets a little, uh, 
egotistical, for okay. lack of a better term. <laughs> uh-huh. That's interesting. And I, I mean, even chess just being a game that's been around for so long and, you know, not, not necessarily like innovations or new expansions or stuff when it comes to the game. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange our conversation coming up here, but I'm really excited mm. about kind of all of that. And, uh, I have very little experience other than my <laughs> middle school chess club that I was definitely a part of. And, uh, so this is going to be a great time, man. So excited to have you here on the show. Why don't we talk about why we're happy? Because we need to, we must, uh, it's just part of what we do. So Doge, what's got you so happy today? Oh, I mean everything. Again, it's my first time on a podcast, and I have—I would have no other wish than to start with the Happy Hearthstone. Aww. Uh, my girlfriends and I just moved into our uh, our apartment here in Madison. It's a new opportunity. I start a new job tomorrow, Whoa. so that'll be Monday, okay. the 23rd. Yeah, no rest for the wicked. <laughs> so really, I mean, everything just seems to be going really well, so I'm happy about that. That's really great. Are you from Madison, or is this, uh, or why, I guess, there? Was it the job? Yeah, I, was a, I found a job up here. I had interviewed for a different job at a different company, but mm-hmm. uh, upon visiting Madison, I really loved the city, mm-hmm. so... Um, and we had all been sort of thinking, we want to be somewhere new. We were in the area where we had lived before just for most of our combined lives. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up in that area and went to school around there and everything. And we just wanted to change. So we continued looking for work up here. And I finally hit on something. And from there, we just, you know, put our uh, put the pedal to the metal and started getting things moving. Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm glad that, uh, taking a risk like that and, and going to a new place, at least you've got, uh, at least you're doing it with the, with the best of people, you know, the people that matter most to you. So, um, I'm excited for you, man. It, it is definitely a new chapter in a lot of ways for you. And I'm excited to yep. see the story that comes from it. It'd be great. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all those, ex- all those, uh, emotions are yeah. blending together right now, yeah. but mostly right now I'm happy to be recording this good man well yeah we'll we'll have some uh some no pressure fun here and uh hopefully that'll be gas in the tank for all of the new adventures that you've got coming your way here soon uh now for me i've got a lot of reasons to be happy i mentioned at the top that being in florida was a huge amount of fun uh we basically i was with my wife's family and uh of course my wife and and kiddos and we we spent the entire week at a house that was literally on the beach. Like, I mean, maybe not, I guess not literally, but we didn't have to cross any uh, roads in order to get over there. So it was a two minute walk from from the house. Um, I, those of you who live in Florida, I don't know how you do it during the summers because we came in September and goodness, we had some hot, hot days still. Um, but we but we had fun out there. Uh, Lucy loved uh, collecting seashells and playing in the ocean and stuff. She had never seen the ocean, I think. Uh, certainly never played or swam or ran, you know, in the sand and stuff. So she loved that. She loved sand castles. Um, and our our three month old Lane was uh, not interested in pretty much anything and just got sand in his hair. So so we learned uh, we learned he had to get back in pretty quickly. Um, but and and some of you may also know that we spent a day at Disney because I had to brag on 
little three-year-old Lucy getting to meet all of the Disney princesses and all of that. It was so much fun. It was the most exhausting day I've had in a very long time, uh, but it was it was super worth it, and uh, we just had a lot of fun. So, uh, so my wife and I learned that when you are vacationing with a young family, it's not like a hundred percent vacation because <laughs> you still gotta uh, you know look after the kids and stuff. But um, but that's just the stage of life we're in right now. So you embrace it. Uh, you embrace that you're not going to get to sleep until 10 a.m. like you kind of wish you could basically every day. <laughs> uh, and and you're going to make a lot of memories and have a lot of fun. We ate a lot of really good food, too. Some good seafood down there. And, and oh, yeah, and I have to say, I also got to meet my good friend Navalis down there. So some of you may have seen that picture, too, on Twitter. Uh, Navalis has been on the show before. Uh, he's the host of another podcast right now called Hearth Life. And uh, Navalis and I have been friends since back in the Villains Chosen days, uh, which I'll talk about in a moment, too. And uh, and he just happened to be vacationing with his wife in the same town we were in, uh, which is just outside Orlando. So we found out on Twitter, we connected, and, and he said, man, I know where the good coffee is in town, so let's do that. I said, I'm always down for that. So uh, we got to spend a morning connecting and just uh, sharing stories and getting to know each other better. It was so much fun. So um, definitely a huge treat to meet you, Navalis. And if you get, ever get out to Tennessee, be sure to hit up Navalis and uh, and all the good friends out there. That was a that was a real highlight of the of the trip as well. And uh, another big reason why I'm happy mentioning Valence Chosen, I actually got to record episode 200 with them. Now, some of you who may be newer to the Happy Hearthstone may not know I got my podcast debut by being a guest on this show, similar to Doge TK right here. Um, and when or after doing that, I decided I wanted to start a podcast with some friends and that podcast became Valence Chosen. I uh, did several episodes with them before taking the reins here at the Happy Hearthstone. So Valence Chosen is a very special show to me. And of course, uh, the people who make it today are uh, good, dear friends, and they got the whole crew back together. So uh, Rob, Eve, and Grant, and myself got to record episode 200. It should be out soon if it's not already by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but definitely go check it out. We talked for way too long. Not quite review episode with Wicked Good long, but but close. We, we, we definitely could have gone there. Um, so yeah, go check that out in whatever podcast app you're listening to. Uh, this in uh, Valence Chosen. And to cross over into our news, there's a lot of news because uh, that's what happens when you pre-record an episode and then miss a week. Uh, so I, we had to pick just a few things here, but the big news that happened is that Tombs of Terror has released. Uh, this is honestly another reason why I'm happy because uh, new content's always fun. Uh, and chapters 1 and 2 are live right now. If you haven't played them yet, you'll get three Savers of Old Doom packs for defeating, I think it's four bosses in each uh, in each one of them. And everyone has access to chapter one completely free. So you, there's really no reason to not play that. Get yourself some packs. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Doshi K, how far have you gotten? What have you accomplished? What have you enjoyed so far? Oh, um, well, when it came out, I just had to have it. So I bought it, uh, of course. day of, <laughs> I, I wanted to pre-order, but I was busy and just it slipped my mind and then like day of release I'm like oh crap I didn't pre-order. Uh, <laughs> you saved five so, bucks, you know, so yeah, that's something. So I saved five bucks, <laughs> uh, but I got it. I played. Uh, I played through the first 
part, got it in one, played through the second, got it in one. It was Dang. a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I think I just got really high on the RNG. Because okay. uh, I've heard a, I've heard some in the community having some trouble with, uh, with the second run, and it's just, I mean, really, my deck's just incredibly powerful. And mm-hmm. uh, I loved it. I'm going to go through on Heroic probably when I have some free time. Um, nice next weekend because i'm going to spend most of this week getting the apartment ready yeah yeah for sure you got a lot of other stuff going on to uh to not to throw too much weight to that i guess um but yeah i i agree with you i actually did chapter one on my first try also chapter two took me two uh two runs so i it does feel in like this is one of the easier single players that they've come out with and i don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing uh, it's kind of a grass is greener effect, in my opinion, because the times when single player has been too difficult, I'm complaining that I can't get there and I just want to beat it. And now when it's too easy, I'm feeling like I want more of a challenge. So, you know, I, I think I, you just have to kind of accept it for what it was. Um, the truth is, like, all of the treasures and the uh, I, I can't even remember what they're called off the top of my head. Oh, the signature treasures. That's what they're called. Um, have been a lot of fun. Like, it seems like there are some really wacky combinations. And I didn't expect or anticipate so many new ones to be in this round. Yeah, they uh, they really went all out, in my opinion, with the with the creativity of the treasures. Mm-hmm. Um, Reno's, of course, got his. His magical hat, that's probably just a hat, I think the flavor text <laughs> says. Uh, uh, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I agree with you on the grass is greener thing. You know, sometimes when you're playing through something hard, you just want it to be over, and then when it's too easy, you're like, well, why couldn't that have been more? Um, I've always been of the opinion that in video games, it's great to have something that's easy and then have a mode on it that's harder for those of the tryhards in the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I'm one of those tryhards from time to time, and at other times I'm just like, I want to play through for the pretty colors and the story and the fun. <laughs> <laughs> and there's definitely a lot of fun, fanciful ridiculousness. I love the little quips that the uh, the members of the League of Explorers have with one another. Uh, that that was just a lot of fun, and even some of like the um, the hero powers and the decks. Like Sir Finley starts off with a hero power called New quote-unquote recruits and it's two mana and it summons a 2-1 amalgam explorer which is just fun like it's it was uh, surprising it's obviously way better than like say a uh, paladin summon a silver hand knight or recruit um but uh but yeah it's just fun to be able to do these really powerful things um i'm trying to think of some some of the crazier uh signature treasures that i've gotten to mess around with i did get the uh vip experience whenever you go to a tavern have you seen that one yet uh doge i have not seen the vip experience oh it's it's insane like i i found it and i had to tweet about it because it was like I had I didn't even know that was a treasure, and when you it's sort of like the wisdom ball from uh, from Dollar and Heist, where you have no clue what it does, but you're like I gotta find out what that means. And essentially, yeah. when you get into the tavern, instead of the four minions on each side that it normally has, there are seven on both sides. So your choices are way grander. And then the cards, you get more cards to play that like do different things like discount something and you get more mana to run with. So you're just like buffing your deck like insanity. And there are some upgraded ones. Like there was one I got that discounted all cards in your deck by one. 
It's just like, well, yeah, I'm playing that one. That's, that just automatically gets played, you know? So um, so it's just fun having those experiences where you didn't expect something and uh, and it paid off for you to just try it, you know, like that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, discounting things and mana is generally a good way to play, which, you know, was one of the reasons we don't see Generous Mommy played too much. Is that the name? The yep. Reborn Minion. It's, mm-hmm. You know... You don't really want to give that um, that buff to your opponent willingly. No, basically ever. <laughs> don't do it. Don't ever do it. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to try out the other heroes. Um, I am also feeling a little bit, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not. Like I'm feeling a little bit like we've done this before in some ways. Like I feel like this is probably as extreme as some of the treasures and stuff could go. And uh, I don't know what they have in their back pocket for the third expansion of the year. Um, But I'm starting to feel a little bit of sameness where it's like, okay, these are good and this is a lot of fun, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this kind of style of the dungeon run kind of thing indefinitely necessarily. I'm going to want to scratch an inch of something pretty new uh, coming up quickly. Yeah, it's very similar to, of course, uh, The Rise of Shadows, similar vein minus the fewer number of heroes but they're combined so they're trying to get at everything there i think that for the third expansion if i if i'm venturing a guess it might be some sort of combined effort between the league of evil and the league of or and the league of explorers because it's uh you know, Year of the Dragon, and mm-hmm. maybe Deathwing comes out, mm-hmm. and everyone mm-hmm. realizes, oh, maybe we gotta like band together to fight that guy off. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It definitely could be it. Um, I, 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 I like the um, the fact that you don't know what you're gonna get every time. I especially like that there are way are uh, incentives to unlock new decks, hero powers, and stuff like that. I probably will play through um, again. I was I was actually trying to get uh, Finley's power up hero power, which give a minion divine shield and wind fury just seems absolutely insane. So I wanted to get that and kind of be ready for the next um, the next level. So it'll be fun to see what happens. Regardless, um, I I'm enjoying it for sure. There's just sort of this voice in the back of my head saying, "Yeah, but," um, and I'm. I'm trying to squash that a little bit because this really is fun and fun needs to have the final word. And hey, by the way, I almost forgot to mention that I actually got to write an article uh, for HS Replay that uh, was an inside look at Chapter 2 of Tombs of Terror. So if you haven't played that yet, would really encourage uh, you go over to articles.hsreplay.net and the newest article there, you'll get to see some of the uh, the data that we were able to assemble around what people are doing uh, with uh, treasures and hero powers and stuff like that, uh, what's been working well, and I got to uh, offer some tips based off of my experience on there. And so that was, uh, I'm always thankful to be able to help out and do that stuff. And even if you have uh, completed it, go check it out and would love to hear what you thought. So. Tombs of Terror. Yay! Every Tuesday we'll get some new content, so I can't wait for Chapter 3. I can't remember which hero. I think it's Elise, actually, on this next one. Uh, you might be right. I don't I don't know off the top of my head either. Yeah, that'll be fun to see how it goes. 
And the next thing, the next piece of news that we have here is the Discover change. So there have been a couple hot fixes actually uh, that have rolled through, surprisingly. Um, and actually, I'm a little bit peeved because uh, the Amazon App Store is always behind in their updates, and I haven't gotten to play Hearthstone on my phone for like three days now because <laughs> because of this latest hot fix. But uh, and it was just like artwork for the Titanic Lackey and stuff. But in all of those hot fixes, there was actually a really significant change around the discover mechanic. So in the past, uh, the discover mechanic has always favored class cards uh, whenever that's a possibility, uh, whenever you have like a mix of class or neutral cards. And it's favored class cards from what we know at, at a four times rate. So you're four times as likely to get any class card, any specific class card uh, than a neutral card. And what they've announced is that Discover is now going to treat class and neutral cards exactly the same. So whenever there's a pool of cards that they're pulling from, it will you'll be just as likely to get cards that are in your class as the neutral cards. Um, Doji K, can you talk with us a little bit about why that was significant for the meta and kind of how that changed things? Well, the biggest problem that most of the players will know about is Control Warrior. And I've their, heard of it. I've heard of yeah. it. <laughs> and, uh, and their chains of frightened flunkies. Now, when, when, a dis when the Discover was limited or um, incentivizing the class cards, when it adds another limit like Discover a Taunt Minion, like Frightened Flunky did, you've got to look at the pool that's available to it. And, of course, there's all the neutral taunt minions, but what are the taunt minions that Warrior has? You know, it has Frightened Flunkies, it has Armegadillo, and it has two more. And I think that's it as far as their class pool goes. Yes. For taunt minions. And all three of those are great cards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, early game, if you can chain together two or three or sometimes four Frightened flunkies, you know, you've got a <laughs> decent wall that someone can't break through. Mm -hmm. um, if you get two Mordens, you know, you've already you're already running two in your deck, and you've got a third one all of a sudden, and those are very difficult to get through. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the Armegadillo, and well, now you've got two, and you can drop one out early, maybe get one tick off of it. It becomes a lightning rod. Your opponent looks at it and says, "I got to remove that, or he's going to have some huge taunt minions coming out." And then a turn or two after that, after they burn some of their uh, minion removal, you just drop another one. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The other big thing was after Dr. Boom was played and you get the uh, uh, the Discover Mech uh, Hero Power, that had a high chance of getting you uh, something like Dynamatic or Omega Devastator, which are both really strong and powerful removal tools. Uh, and oh. especially after Dr. Boom's been played and they get rushed like that. Oh, yeah. I've been both on the receiving and giving end of that hero power. <laughs> and it feels bad to think you've got the edge because you've made them burn their, you know, their Omega Devastators. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I can unload some of my minions. I can get ready and I can push them down the final bit of damage. And then all of a sudden they drop a Dynamatic. And like, oh, no. <laughs> I thought they played two of those already. Yeah, they do. It's like, all right, that one's gone. I'll just play another one. And then an Omega Devastator drops. And you're like, well, I guess they just got three of those. Yeah. Omega it's, Assembly uh, is the one other card that was affected by this also uh, for Control yeah, Warrior. They've been, uh, 
they've been doing a lot of sort of shadow nerfs, if you will, to the Control Warrior archetype. Uh, this one is by far, I think, the most significant. Um, the the mana change to Doctor Boom, I think, was was the way to go. I think nine mana should have been from the start because uh, seven's just way too early. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it didn't change the card. It just changed when it could get played. And sometimes two turns is all you would need against a control warrior. Yeah. Yeah, you know, true. and if you could have, you know, if they would have waited two turns to play out that Doctor Boom, you would have been able to beat them. So it coming out on nine to seven is significant, mm -hmm. but the hero power changing is still incredibly powerful. You know, they've got so many good hero powers that come from that, and the fact that all of your minions have, well, all of their mech minions, which is practically all they run in that deck, have rush, is in my opinion, one of the most asinine things in the game right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just such a powerful mechanic, and for it to be the entire game out, it's, you know, it's uh, it can be oppressive. And as we saw in the last, you know, in the last, uh, last year when we had not just Dr. Boom, but we had, like, odd... Doctor Boof, yeah, it was it was really nasty for a while. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I I think that this was a really uh, slick change that had the right amount of impact to Control Warrior because they're still able to get all of those crazy things. It's just not nearly as consistent, and it's the consistency of being able to pull a third or fourth. Fright and Flunky, Omega Devastator, whatever, out of every card that we've talked about so far. Uh, and Control Warrior really has taken a hit, it looks like, in the stats that, um, that we're seeing. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a good change, I think. It's interesting because it does craft a more aggressive meta because Control Warrior really was the best control deck keeping them all in line. Um, and now it's not nearly as um, as repeatable and uh, predictable as it once was. So we'll see how the, the meta continues to develop. But kudos to Team 5 for a really, I, I think it was a really smart way to nerf uh, the class without, um, without doing something that wouldn't have been as impactful. And we have to keep in mind as well that this isn't just like a targeted nerf to sure, uh, sure. Control Warrior. It's also... You know, I think that it's just a good way to take Discover, because a class bonus, uh, Wicked Good spoke about it on his latest episode, it's when a class bonus is on, class cards, you know, sort of by law of Hearthstone are mm -hmm. going to be at a better power level mm -hmm. than neutral cards, mm -hmm. you know, um, and every other... Every other podcast at this point has covered it, but I'll, yeah. you know, quote them on it. And it's, you know, when we had Odd Paladin, it was running a an odd 1-4 that discovered a taunt minion yep. because you might get, or discovered a minion because you might get a Sunkeeper Terum. You might get Tyrion off of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then not only do you have Odd Paladin's pressure, you've got this massive... 6-6 six, six with Divine Shield and a Death Rattle that gives them a huge weapon. Yeah. You know, it's it's really good. I like I liked it and I think that Control Warrior and Control Decks that will come will still be viable and have their place in the meta, but they're not the 
overpowering thing that it, especially control warrior yeah. is not as overpowering as it used to be and we can see that on a HS replays stats. You know, mm-hmm. if you go there, I have it up right now. The tier one decks are mostly all aggressive. We've got Murloc Shaman, Highlander Hunter, Murloc Paladin, and Secret Hunter, mm-hmm. all at fifty four percent or higher in their win rates. Right. You know, and honestly, fifty five, fifty four to fifty five percent. I'm happy with that being tier one. Mm-hmm. You know, there were. I remember a time when the stats showed like a tier one deck had nearly sixty percent, and in my opinion, that's incredibly high mm. of a win percentage yeah. for just a singular deck. Yeah. It definitely is. There's uh, there's more to see uh, because we don't know what's going to come around the river bend as far as uh, new balances or anything. Uh, there's a certain uh, healing class that's really been getting a lot of flack lately. So we'll see if that actually <laughs> happens or not. I, I don't know. But... Um, the last piece of news that we have is uh, the oldest piece of news also, but I figure it's it's still worth telling you in case you don't know. They actually came out and announced that Twitch drops are going to be live for all Grandmaster streams now. So every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 2 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific. That is a long stretch because they've got to get Asia, EU, and NA in. Each hour, 1,500 viewers are going to get a Saviors of Uldum pack, and that'll be live through October 6th. I'm sure they'll continue to do uh, you know, supportive things around uh, the playoffs and the finals at BlizzCon and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, if you like free packs, and come on, who doesn't? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, just set up your stream, and if you're able to watch it, great. And if you're not, uh, just keep it on in the background. Have you, have you got any packs this way, uh, this way Doge? I got two. Hey. Um, I don't remember what I was, which one I was watching. It mm-hmm. might have honestly been uh, the EU stream in the morning, and where I just sort of had the stream going while I was sure. prepping breakfast and doing my morning routine. Yeah, I've actually gotten exactly two as well. So uh, you kind of do have to get aggressive if you if you want these. You're probably not going to get it if you just have it up for an hour or two. Here or there. Now you got more of a chance than if you don't open it at all. But, um, but yeah, if you do have the means to just kind of keep it on, uh, go for it. And I actually watched a little bit of Grandmasters this weekend. I watched uh, uh, the last match between Psycho and Fino, which was pretty insane. Psycho took a very interesting line, and you can hear me talk all about it in that episode of Villains Chosen because I I went into excruciating detail because <laughs> it was hot on my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely go check those out. It'll be interesting as the uh, as the season ends too, and we go into playoff season. All right, well, before we get into this main topic that has been uh, just burning in my mind, I'm going to take a second to tell you all about the Patreon and a big thing that's going on. In case you don't know, because I don't know that I've been like super clear, certainly in the uh, Dexter episode I wasn't able to be, uh, I've got a special offer going on right now. Many of you may know that I'm in the process of writing a book about how to get Legend and Hearthstone. I'm really excited about it. Um, The vacation was definitely a hit, and this past uh, week of insanity was an even more of a hit uh, to it. But I'm actually already on Chapter 3, so I'm making some progress and going to have some editing rounds after that and and all sorts of stuff. But um, I'm making progress, and I'm really excited about this. And what I I decided to do as one way of incorporating the community into the process is that anybody who's a patron at $5 or more during the month of September is going to get a special thank you in the book. So if you're interested in this, if you want to kind of leave your mark in the Happy Hearthstone era, 
Uh, this is a great way to jump in and uh, just support things, even for a uh, a short period. If you can just do it for a month, then great. Um, but this is uh, this will get you access to the weekly uh, exclusive content that I'm coming out with, uh, usually highlighting a deck or something along those lines. This past week, actually, I went on a seven and zero run on ladder. And uh, I'm still playing this Murloc Shaman deck, and so I broke the deck down and played some games with it. And uh, again, that's that's exclusive video content I'm creating over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And during the month of September 2019, you can get a special thank you in this book that I'm writing. So I'll be excited to tell you all more, and um, honestly, it's helping to keep me accountable as well as people reaching out asking, hey, how's that thing going? And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited at, at how things are shaping up already. There's still much more to write. Uh, every time I write a chapter about mindset, I feel like I want to write three more about mindset and I'm on chapter three. I'm like, man, at some point I got to talk about Hearthstone. So, um, we'll get there. <laughs> there's just so much, uh, in mindset. And speaking of which, there's so many skills when it comes to games that are transferable from one to the other. I'm super excited about this age-old game. I don't know. Uh, I don't actually know when it started. I'm sure you could tell me, but chess has been around forever, and it's a huge part of Doge TK's life. He wanted to come on and talk about uh, how chess has really helped him to become a Hearthstone player and the things that he's learned uh, between the two games. So, Doge TK, why don't you take it away, man? Uh, well, to answer the first question, chess has been around for almost fifteen hundred years. That's insane. Um, probably <laughs> had its it probably had its start in India. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there are many mythological stories of how the game of chess started. Some being that two Indian princes were in war and one had to kill the other, oh. uh, which upset their mother. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, I would assume. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So one of the princes created this checkerboard and with pieces to show the army to explain why he had to defeat his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, I think that's a good story, but I don't think that's anywhere near the truth. Sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's been around for so long, and at a time, you know, that's fifteen hundred years ago is about sixth century. You know, so we were just getting to the point of written long-term uh, history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's probably lost to time right now. Um, but it's uh, modern chess, or what we might consider modern chess, honestly is considerably young in comparison to how long the board game itself has been around. Mm. You know, what we you know, what we chess players consider modern chess, uh, it started around the 1800s, mid-1800s, um, with a player, by the, an American player, really, by the name of Paul Morphy, mm-hmm. many consider to be the first modern player and the unofficial first world chess champion. Wow. You know, he, he was a very talented young man and was from Louisiana, uh, the home... Uh, home state of our good friend Oppo over at Coinkinsee. Yep. And he wanted to become a lawyer, but in Louisiana at the time, you couldn't take the bar until you were 21. He was only 20 when he finally graduated. So he decided to take his year and go travel Europe to beat all of the Europeans at chess. It was his goal. And he did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and here's this one American that just went to Europe where chess was the thing. Everyone played chess. They had chess cafes in 
Paris. They had you no know, chess clubs of huge prestige in London, and he just went there and swatted them away like flies. Hmm. Uh, but you know, and that sort of led into the study of chess. You know, before him, players just went for these massive attacks, beautiful combinations, and just tried to checkmate the other person as fast as they could. But there was no real strategy behind hmm. it other than I'm going to beat you before you beat me <laughs> and I'm going to try to do it in a pretty way so people remember my games. Mm-hmm. Um, and the study of chess sort of grew from the mid-1800s to, of course, now and it grew in many different ways. You know, People started studying different openings. People started studying different tactical and positional middle games. They started studying the end games and finding ways to win with just a small advantage, like mm. one pawn or a slightly better position with a certain piece. Mm-hmm. You know, and it grew from there until you know the uh, the big chess school became the Russians after the formation of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union decided to pick up chess as a national sport to prove that they were smarter than the decadent West of the Americas and England. You know, so it became a very political thing at that point, and the Russians spent a lot of resources training chess masters. Hmm. Uh, you know, from there they, uh, you know, it grew until finally Bobby Fischer came around, and most people, even non-chess players, know who that is. Yep. Um, he, like Paul Morphy, just sort of started swatting away the opposition. He had an astronomical growth. You know, he was the equal to many American grandmasters when he was about 13 or 14, of rather young age. Wow, yeah. You know, he was their equal. He was on equal footing with them. And then a year or two later, he was just the second, third, or fourth best player in the world given the month. You know, at the age of 16, 19, <laughs> he's, you know, one of the best players in the world, and it was such a quick change. You know, uh, he, of course, won the World Chess Championship in 1972, beating the reigning Russian, and everyone saw it as this huge victory for the American West and for democracy as opposed to the Soviet Union and communism, because this supposed lone American came and defeated the Soviet machine, as mm. they called it. You know, this one grandmaster who had 12 people on his team, 10 of which were grandmasters that were doing all of the analysis for him and looking up different openings and ways to defeat Bobby Fischer, and here's one man who just beat all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, The huge advent came around... Uh, the year 2000, when chess computers became better than chess players. And it was at first, of course, uh, greeted with hostility. It was like, how can a computer beat the best player in the world? Which it did, and everyone started saying, oh, they must have cheated. You know, they must have had a live grandmaster helping it out, Mm -hmm. which would, you know, combining the grandmaster's intuition with the computer's ability to calculate would be a great advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't, you know, it beat him, it beat Gary Kasparov, who was the world chess champion at the time, fair and square. And now I've got a chess program on my phone that could probably beat the top 5% of the chess players, you know? It's crazy how far it's come. Um, 
And with that, we chess players have had to adapt. You know, there's so much information out there now, and that's where we as a world are, is the information era. You know, in Hearthstone especially, we can jump right into that. You know, we've got HS Replay, we've got Vicious Syndicate, we've got podcasts and masters all talking about their plays. You know, we can listen to the Happy Hearthstone and get some ideas. We can listen to Blister Guy over at Walk to Work or what have you. You can find something that fits you. You know, you can go onto HS Replay and look up all of the most recent stats, what deck mm-hmm. is doing great in what region. It's information overload, really, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's the same in chess, you know. Thousands of games of chess get played a day at the highest level, at the grandmaster level, and the master levels of chess, and they all get uploaded to Chessbase, which is one of the largest databases for chess. And you sit there and you look at all these new games that are being uploaded, um, right now, the World Cup is going on for chess, and so that's a big thing. And we've got hundreds of players trying to win that tournament, and all of their games are uploaded. Each of them are playing at least two games in their matches, and that game's up. And it could be a five-hour game that was played in 70 moves, and there will be players who go through it and study mm-hmm. it and try to learn from it. And then by the time they finish that, five more are up. You know, we're all in information overload. And I think one of the most important things we can do as players of any sort of competitive game is learn what to focus on when this information is coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got such great opportunities in the Hearthstone community right now. You know, Grandmasters that we had just talked about earlier streams every Sunday. Saturday and Friday, and you can hopefully find some time to watch some. Mm -hmm. The commentators are great. They explain the plays. They talk about plays that they disagree with and why they disagree with them, or they get really excited and pump up the room when some awesome play happens or when one of them notices that, oh, no, he's got lethal. Does he see it? (laughs) It's it's this really weird line, but there's lethal on the board. Mm -hmm. And then everyone goes, wait, what are you talking about? There's no lethal? And they explained it to go, wow, that is lethal. But the players are limited to 75 seconds, whereas the commentators can stare at it for a while and have had all of this you know, viewing from the outside without the stress of playing. It's sure. easier to see these things. <laughs> um, it, now, there, there are a ton of options, kind of like what you said earlier. For, for players who are really trying to start to take the game seriously or maybe newer to it, can you uh, can you give one or two suggestions that kind of across the board would be a good place to start? And that that could be a website, that could be a streamer. Just uh, what do you think are good places for um, for players who want to up their game? I would suggest Twitch. Honestly, find just find a streamer. You know, I'm. I wouldn't even say you need to look for any particular name. Just find a streamer. Watch for a game or two if they speak to you if you can understand them or if they're too deep for you move away so um, in your native just, language probably is a is a good way to yeah, say yeah native la- yeah la- <laughs> native language is you know native language is incredibly helpful good places um yeah um unlike in you know unlike in chess where you can watch you know chinese players or iranian players or russian players and it's the same game oh sure i didn't think about um, that yeah mm-hmm. but 
especially when streaming is involved, it helps when they can when you can understand what's going on and if they speak with you. Um, other than that, my biggest piece of advice to a new player is just accept that you'll lose. It's one of the hardest things, and we all still mm. do it. You know, sure. we all still get on the game and we hit play, and we see a matchup that's the best for us, and we lose it, mm-hmm. and we get. You know, some of us might get tilted. Some of us might just go, oh, well, that was just bad luck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just accept that you'll lose and take the time to learn from it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something to learn from every game, and that's something that we get taught in chess all of the time. You know, um, so I guess without further ado, let's go into that. You know, there's so many transferable skills in between chess and Hearthstone, and that's sort of what I used. As I spoke of earlier, I took a break from competitive chess for a while because it was burning me out, Mm -hmm. and I decided it was uh, December, uh, just after Rostikon's Rubble had come out, it was that December that I decided to really, you know, hit the pavement with Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. And I got on, I was, I think, ranked the bottom rank, uh, 25 I think it is, the lowest you can go, because I hadn't played in so long. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, um, I'm going to see if I can't climb to five. And I knew it was a huge order, but I felt I could. You know, And I looked up a deck that I thought I might like, based on how I liked to play chess, which is I'm much more of a much more of a play-for-the-end-game player in chess. I wait, I build up a strong position, I sort of what uh, one of my coaches used to describe as a boa constrictor. I like to just sort of slowly choke my opponent off the board until I've just got a winning position. Okay. And so I looked up a control deck and just started pushing with it. I was like, okay, I like the way this handles. (laughs) Um, And I got to, I think, rank six, seven in that December season. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wasn't I wasn't too unhappy with that considering yeah. it was my first real go. That's great. And since then I've been hitting five every season, climbing. I believe the highest I've climbed so far has been rank two, with three stars or four stars maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much going on in life that I can't really make that. I want to make that final push to legend, mm-hmm. but I know that that's such a huge time sink, especially the first time you do it. Yeah. That I'm not pushing it off too much. Um, and research is an important thing in chess, you know, looking up what openings you're going to play, mm-hmm. looking up what end games you need to know, because it's no use having more pieces on the board if you don't know how to checkmate with them. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so you learn your, you know, you learn your basics. You learn how to checkmate with two rooks, with a queen and a king, you know, you learn how to checkmate with a king and a rook, and those are your three very basic endgames. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just what you learn. And in Hearthstone, it's the same thing. You know, I started with a control deck, which might not have been the best idea because they're so tricky to handle and to manage your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, but Thankfully, I was able, you know, to sort of navigate that using my skills in chess and understanding those things. Um, but for beginning players, I would say learn your basics first. You know, everyone says it, and it's been said on a few podcasts in the past couple of months. Start with a zoo deck. 
Mm-hmm. They're they're cheap for the most part. They rarely run legendaries or epics. Um, if they do, they're you know one epic or two epics maybe. Um, start with a zoo deck because it teaches you the important bases of Hearthstone, mm-hmm. board control, when to push for face, you know how to evaluate what a good trade is, when you should trade a minion into another minion, when you shouldn't. Um, you know, you learn your basics with the zoo deck, and then you can branch into the things that will beat you, like a good control deck or a powerful mid-range deck that can that has some early board clears so they can stabilize. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, from there, it's really just self-evaluation and it's the hardest but most important skill that anyone can have in my opinion in any walk of life is being able to look at yourself and your performance in whatever task you're evaluating and be able to truthfully tell yourself okay I am good at X I am not good at Y mm-hmm. you know um, I will happily use myself as an example in chess I excel at end games and I excel at not losing my cool when I'm in a tough position. You know, I um, I very much dig my heels in and just make my opponent beat me. I never just roll over. Okay. Um, in hearts, you know, uh, my weaknesses in chess, my openings need work, definitely. Um, I know one or two openings incredibly well. But if they go off track from that, I'm just sort of floundering, so I need Mm. to work on that. And in sort of tactical attacking positions of chess where really both me and my opponent are just like inches away from the the cliff, (laughs) I I do not do well at all. Mm. You know, in, in Hearthstone, I snap play way too much. I know Mm. I do. Um, I trust my instincts is what I like to... I paint it very nicely by saying, oh, you know, that was an instinctual play, and I trust my instincts. But really, it's, you know, you... Instincts are there for a reason, but we also have to evaluate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and the best way to really go about that is what I've found tool-wise with Hearthstone is that Unlike in chess, where it's just you, the board, the chess clock, and if you're lucky, you have a nice pen so you can write down your games. <laughs> um, you know, in Hearthstone, we have deck trackers, you know, that can not only track what cards you're playing, what cards your opponent's playing, or the hand position for the cards, like he drew this on turn three and hasn't played it yet. Uh, you know, this druid has this card from their mulligan that they haven't played yet. I really need to watch out for that. Mm-hmm. You know, or you know, the worst case for or the worst feeling for me is when I see a zero that was not a mulligan on the far left side of their hand oh, and it's right. a hunter. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that's probably Zuljin. Here we go. <laughs> it's like it's like that's either Zuljin or that's uh that's uh the uh brand, the Highlander brand. Mm-hmm. I'm like I need to watch out because on either no, on either of these turns, they're going to drop that, and it's going to hurt. <laughs> right. It's going to do exactly what they need it to do. <laughs> yeah, and we have these tools. Uh, HS Replays is the one I use. It's uh, the, my favorite that I've found so far. 
and not only does it have all of this tracking and stat tracking, it has the replays, and those are mm-hmm. amazing tools. Yeah, um, I can't tell you how many times, and this is a uh, a thing in chess that we do a lot, actually, is when a game is over, win, lose, or draw, you shake hands, you say good game, mm-hmm. and depending on how you feel, like sometimes if I'm incredibly tired or I'm just like beat from the day, I will not offer, but most of the times I'll look at my opponent offer, do you want to go to the Skittles room, or what we call the room where everyone can gather and play chess without interrupting the tournament? Mm-hmm. We call it the Skittles room. Uh, I'll tell my opponent, hey, do you want to go to the Skittles room and go over this game? Mm-hmm. And it's best, in my opinion, to go over it fresh, go over it once fresh, right sure, then and yeah. there, because mm-hmm. you remember everything. You know, oh, I played this move because this was my plan, or I didn't see that move coming because I didn't consider your plan. And you just talk with them. And even if it's not in-depth, just talking it over with somebody else, especially someone who beat you can and can explain, like, oh, well, I didn't like that move you made. I think that was your big mistake because mm-hmm. that, you know, that allowed me to get all this good positioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hearthstone, it's the same thing. After every game... Sometimes I don't, and it's a bad habit because I'm either just in a rush to play another game or I'm feeling really good, so I just hit the play button right again. Mm-hmm. But I try, you know, I try to, after every game, look at the replay, just alone. You know, just me, I put the replay on. You know, I might skip some things like the first few the first few moves sure, if they were sure. you know, yeah. obvious things like, well, it was turn one, I'm playing Quest Shaman, I played my quest. <laughs> That's what you do on turn one, unless it's unless you're on the coin and you have the evil totem in your hand, then you should probably coin evil totem and play your quest on turn two. Um, a play I learned from Appa in his explanations of the deck, actually. Um, <clears throat> but go over the you know you go over the replays, and if you are ever unsure about something, ask somebody. <laughs> Now, this all seems like very simple advice I'm giving, but it is honestly as easy as that in improving. You know, we have, with the Happy Hearthstone, the Inner Fire, of which I am a member. Mm -hmm. I haven't posted in there in a while because I've been so busy, but I love that place. (laughs) Um, And if there's ever a question I have, like, hey, this is is my replay. I played this against, uh, you know, I was playing Quest Shaman against Control Warrior, Mm -hmm. and I lost but I feel like I shouldn't have. Like that entire game, I felt like I had it just in the bag. You know, I had the good draw. I got my quest done early. I had the tempo going my way. And then, quote, all of a sudden, I lost. Hmm. So you post it in you post it in the Discord, and someone will say, oh, well, it wasn't all of a sudden because you burned all of these resources too early, or you didn't consider that they could stabilize against your you know, against your board, mm-hmm. or what have you, you know, um, so we go over our games in chess, and you should go over your games in Hearthstone, um, the same thing is, in chess, once a player learns all of the basics, their coach will usually tell them, okay, let's find an opening that works for you, and in chess, what an opening is designed for is it supposed to get you into a position in the middle game that is comfortable for you, 
and uncomfortable for your opponent. Mm. And everybody plays differently. You know, the openings that I play will not work for a player who likes wild positions, who likes um, really going all out and attacking and checkmating their opponent by turn, by move 30. You know, they don't like any of that. But... And uh, I wouldn't like one of their openings. Like, there's the Sicilian defense, which is a very complicated opening that goes straight into uh, wild positions from the start most of the time. And I would hate that. You know, so in Hearthstone, once you learn your basics, find a deck. Hmm. You know, what do you like to play? What don't you like to play? Um find a deck and stick with it yeah you know and i think just... I, I think it's <laughs> it's tough for people especially when they're getting started to figure out i mean the number one question people will ask is like what's the best deck at rank 20 or at rank 15 and it's it's pretty impossible for anyone to definitively answer that question um, but I would say that more important than figuring out what the best deck is, is to find a good deck that you enjoy playing. Because as you start to learn your play style, like you're saying there, you will enjoy the game more and you'll be playing in your sweet spot. Uh, which generally those decks that you really enjoy, seem the play style seems to be much more natural than say... Um, you know, having to watch a Twitch streamer or YouTube video and really diving deep into how they're um, assessing the resources that they have and spreading them out throughout the game or or something like that. So, yeah, definitely agree on that point. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It's important to do the starting work or the beginner's work, if you will, mm-hmm. sort of on your own or with the help, uh, personal help from someone you know or trust you know know and trust about the game um and at the end of the day a hearthstone is a game you know at the end of the day chess is a game mm-hmm. if you're not having fun doing it then it's work yeah and most of you know most of us have full-time jobs or part-time jobs or are students of some sort and all of that is work and we don't want to come home and then, like, all right, I'm going to sit down at my desk and do four more hours of work as I try to grind my way through Hearthstone with this deck that I hate. <laughs> you know, it just, we don't want to do that. And, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's why I took the break from chess, because it started feeling like work. And it's why I've taken a break from Hearthstone for a couple of weeks, because it started feeling like work. Or sure. any other form of enjoyment that just gets a little too questionable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you find something you like. And at the beginning, don't set your expectations too high. You know, it's a beginning chess player who just learned the moves, who knows a basic opening, who knows the basic checkmates, can't go into a tournament thinking, I'm going to win this tournament, and then I'm going to skyrocket my rating and by the end of the year i'm going to be pushing for my master's title <laughs> a little I bit mean, of a it, high aspiration it, there <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah and it's like i mean it happens sometimes mm-hmm. you know there are plenty of stories out there of children playing chess that 
are pushing for a Masters title already. I mean, the last year, if I'm not mistaken, was the year that we had a world record broken for youngest uh, chess master, who was, I believe, seven. Hmm. You know, a young, like a young kid, seven years old, was able to get to a rating of 2,200 in an official tournament, and that got them the Masters title. It's like, wow. You know, the current world chess champion is a young man by the name of Magnus Carlsen from Norway, and he got his Grandmaster title, which is the third tier of Master and the highest title you can achieve in chess. He got it at 13 and some odd months. Because they start counting the months there for the world record. Mm-hmm. Now, the current uh, the current record holder is uh, Sergei Karyakin, a Russian player who challenged Carlson for the world championship a few years ago, and he was a grandmaster at like 12 years and seven months or four months, and he holds the record for youngest grandmaster ever. And wow. it's you know it happens. You can be very young and really hit it off on something and just focus in and become amazing at it. But, you know, for us mortals, it's important not to think, I just learned how to drive this car, so I'm going to go do the Indy 500 next month. Mm-hmm. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Although um, I know people who would probably do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably. And... More power to them, I say. Sir. <laughs> as long as they're enjoying it, why not? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so don't, you know, don't set your expectations too high. And when you're just learning the game and just learning how your deck works, if at some point in the first two or three months you're playing and learning about Hearthstone, feel free to change it up. You know, you've got to find what works yeah. for you. No, I was playing Control for, uh, Control Warrior for a bit over the past couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I knew how it played, but it it started to just feel too slow for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is like this is a good deck. I understand it's a good deck. You know, it's a tier one deck that a lot of people are hitting rank one legend with, mm-hmm. and I understand how it works. And I'm grinding the ladder. I'm climbing, but this is just so boring. (laughs) Alright, do you have a minion on board? Alright, can it kill me? No, okay, I'm going to ignore it. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, now you have five minions on board. I should probably do something. Mm -hmm. And even then, sometimes you're like, eh, they're just a bunch of one-twos and two-threes. I don't have to worry about them. And you let them hit you in the face because you want to save your resources. It's a very patient but boring game when you're playing Control Warrior. Yeah. Um, so I changed it up. You know, you have to be open to changing it until you find something that works for you and that you enjoy doing. Because mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy doing it, like you said, it's going to be a chore. <laughs> and when you're not enjoying something, you're more likely to just mess it up. Yeah. <clears throat> That's good, man. Well, we are uh, we are running low on time, so why don't... Uh... I, I guess, do you have any other thing, uh, tips that you're just dying to get out or anything you want to say to sort of summarize uh, as we oh, move on? Oh, yeah. Uh, one more really important one. So we went over going over your games, mm-hmm. went over finding what works for you, get your basics down and all of that. Yeah. Um, once you're 
at the higher level, you know, you you hit rank five, and now you're thinking, okay, I hit rank five. I'm confident in my abilities. I can push for legend. You know, and that's sort of where I am right now. It's like I I can push for legend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really unlike in chess, where your rating doesn't change unless you lose a game. You know, my I haven't played a competitive game of chess in almost a year. And I can go on to the United States Chess Federation website, look up my rating, and it will be the exact same as when I played that game a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Hearthstone, if you don't play within the month, at the end of the month the season changes and you're at a new rank. So there's a time crunch that we have to understand in Hearthstone. And if you hit rank 5 at you know, day seven or eight of the month, cool, you've got some time, maybe you can fit it into your schedule to push for legend. If you hit rank five on day 29 of the month, accept the time constraint that you probably won't be able to hit legend simply because you've got, if you're lucky, two more days. And maybe those are work days, or maybe you've got family plans. Really, the important piece of information I want to get across with that is just don't beat yourself up if you don't hit your goal right away. Yeah. And if you ever get frustrated with that, take, you know, just take a self-inventory like you would with the Hearthstone game by going over the replay. Just take a self-inventory and think, okay, this is a game. It's something I find important to me, but this is a game. And is this something that I'm willing to sacrifice something else for? Mm. You know, uh, Hat Dot and Appa over on Coin Conceit a few episodes ago talked about, you know, how do you fit Hearthstone in when you've got a job and life and oh, you know, wife and children mm-hmm. and family things. It's like, and Hat made a good point: is you have to find what you're willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, if Hearthstone is something you want important in your life, then you sacrifice sleep. Is what Hat said. <laughs> you know, I sacrifice sleep. Sure. Um, you know, I have been sacrificing other video games, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a boatload of games that I want to play that are on my list, on my Steam account, or on my PlayStation 4, or what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play this game. And I'm like, or I could spend the next hour grinding out some ladder on Hearthstone. <laughs> That's right. And then, yep, yeah, and I think to myself, I'm really enjoying Hearthstone right now. I'm going to go do that instead. Mm-hmm. Because this game that I have will be here for eternity, practically. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if it's single player or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, I was playing through the Spider-Man game on PlayStation. Oh, nice. I've heard great things about that. Loved it. It was great. Um, I'm playing through it on the impossible difficulty now. And I haven't touched it in almost a month because I've been enjoying Hearthstone so much that I'm like, you know what? I could sit down and I could really grind through this hard game that I'm really enjoying. It's like, or I could... Go sit at my computer and play some Hearthstone. Yeah. You know, get two or three games in, and if I'm having fun, I'll continue playing. Or if I get on, I lose two or three games in a row, I'll just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And that's sort of my, <laughs> that's my threshold is if I get on and I'm playing a deck I really like and I get three losses in a row, I'm like, all right, I'm, we're calling it tonight. That's the end. <laughs> and this is one of the... I know, 
this is one of the few portions in life where I really believe truth is relative. Like, there's no right or wrong as far as what you should play. If you're loving Hearthstone, man, keep playing it. If it's starting to get a little stale, go try something else, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm glad well, to absolutely. hear that you're having so much fun and yeah. with it. And uh, But, yeah, totally agree for, for anybody who's listening. You've got to be able to assess what's worth it to you and make a good decision based off of what you know and what you really, really want, not just maybe what comes naturally because we don't always get that right. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, don't – my advice is don't sacrifice family. Don't sacrifice work. Don't sacrifice your studies for Hearthstone. Yeah. All, all, all good words. <laughs> well, that's awesome, uh, man. Yep. Well, it's been a, it's been really fun for me to hear how this comes uh, from the chess world because obviously with other video games there are mindset things and stuff, but uh, it seems like it seems like there are even even greater ones. I didn't even think about like uh, going back and watching your games and uh, reflecting on that, reviewing what went well and what didn't and stuff. So. Uh, you're almost making making me want to get on and find some online chess uh, stuff and maybe maybe learn me me a thing or two. <laughs> well, we'll see. Oh, if there's I... all sorts of there's all sorts of resources out there for chess. I um, can imagine. So, <laughs> I'll definitely like reach I out and ask if I, if I decide yeah. to do it. So. Yeah, like I had said earlier, it's a. Uh, information overload that's right <laughs> well in the meantime we're going to go ahead and jump over to our community section i want to let you all know that if you are interested at any point uh you can always send in a question to the show over at uh or on your email that email thing that you probably have you can send me an email at the happy at gmail.com i'd be happy to answer a question that's related to an episode or something that's been burning on your mind in regards to hearthstone or life and gaming uh, anything along those lines i i just realized i haven't really taken a, a time to pause and give voice to that uh, it's something that uh, really I haven't focused on in a long time. And, and you can also hop over to our Discord. You can find the link at thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord. You just go there, click on the link, and you can uh, pass along any questions you'd like for the show on there as well. Uh, no iTunes reviews this week, and that is a really important thing that helps the show out. So if you would like, uh, if you've been listening for several months, several years, maybe even just a few episodes, and you really like what you're hearing, go over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever it's called on your device, and leave a quick review. Let other people know what you think. It helps other people to find the show and allows us to get all that uh, juicy SEO stuff for all the iTunes uh, stuff, which is the number one place that people will find the show. So you can make a really big impact for all of eternity by going and doing that for a few minutes. Okay, so, so Doge, I've been waiting and ready for, uh, for us to return to something really special for Card of the Week because I don't know if you caught it, listener, or you, Doge, but, um, man, I made a big no-no on the last Card of the Week song that I did for this show, and I mentioned it when I was discussing the card Evil Cable Rat and said something along the lines of, this really feels like I've talked about this recently. After, after publishing it, I looked, and sure enough, uh, six episodes before that or something, I had done Evil Cable Rat already, so... Um, man, that was a, that was a big mistake, and I entirely regret it. Even though both songs were pretty decent, at least. Um, but oh, yeah. but my goodness, I'm ready for a new song. I'm ready for a new <laughs> voice. So why don't you take us and uh, lead us into uh, what the card of the week is going to be? 
Oh, happily. Um, I want to preface this by actually mentioning that evil cable rat, because uh, I had told you earlier, and I'll let the listeners know now, that I had originally planned this to be a parody of uh, Africa by Oh, Toto. that's right! <laughs> yeah, and uh, I listened to that episode, and I was like, huh, how about that? Can't really so do to... that now. <laughs> yeah, so I had to come up with something else, but I think I'm going to do this one justice. Okay, so, uh, can't wait, I man. guess without further ado, here we go. <clears throat> Highlander, Unana. Half of my deck is gone, Highlander, Unana. My cards are singletons, Highlander, Unana. Half of my deck is gone, Highlander. You better have a plan for Highlander, Unana. Aggressive all game, got him down to three health. It's their impending doom. It's on them, but I've got minions in stealth. Oh, they played Dr. Boom. Wish I had one card to get what I need. Pyro would be the best. Zephyrus granted my wish, now I kill them with glee. <laughs> Put them all to the test. Highlander, Unana. Zephyrus wins games in Highlander, Unana. Please don't get Hall of Fame from Highlander, Unana. My enemy is gone, Highlander. No, they could never plan for Highlander, Unana. <laughs> If that's your backup, man, I gotta say, I you you've got to see with the best of them there. That was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so tell yeah, so, uh, so tell us about the Zephyrus. card of the week here, Zephyrus the Great. Uh, Zephyrus, you know when they introduced Highlander, it was kind of odd to me. I was like, wow, this is coming back, huh? Um, and when Zephyrus was first announced, I thought the perfect card. Can I really wish for the perfect card here? And sure enough, they figured out a way to do it. Um, I can't tell you how many times uh, I've had a Zephyrus play down, had those three little magic balls come whirling out, and I'm like, oh no, what are they going to kill me with? <laughs> or what are they going to clear my board with? You know, So no duplicates in your deck. Mm -hmm. Zephyrus' battle cry, you know, wish for the perfect card. You know, It can get played any turn. It's incredibly flexible you know you have highlander hunters playing it on turn two to get you know to get a an animal companion you mm -hmm. have you know you have any highlander deck or even non-highlander deck sometimes that just burn through their cards really quick like quest druid plays it now too mm -hmm. um to just well i got you down to 11 health and i'm gonna play my zephyrus so i can get a pyro in hand and now every game when i see a zephyrus i just have to think to myself do they have pyro? Should I drop below <laughs> ten health? This is a scary thought. Mm -hmm. um, it, no, I you know I love it. It's uh, I like controlled RNG. You know, I like Hearthstone is a game of RNG, but yeah, I like it really when it's controlled and you can sort of plan for it. Mm -hmm. And now when Zephyrs gets played, you can just you have to consider: Do they have pyro? Could they have gotten flame strike? Do they have a Tyrion that they're about to drop? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of different ways to play him. And, uh, you know, there are things like we all know that if you play him on two, you're going to get offered Wild Growth, Animal Companion, and Brightwing most of the time. Like if your opponent has a minion with two health, you'll get Backstab probably also. Um, but it's like if you could have that for sure known for every possible board state, then you would be able to wield this card like a madman or madwoman. I mean, it's like... 
it, it, it it's fascinating to me that with a simple um what it's it's simple but it's so complex at the same time like it's complex to play extremely well it's simple in so much as you just have to build your deck a certain way and most of the time you can just play him and he'll give you a few options that should be really really helpful but getting exactly the card that you know you sh you should be able to get can be extremely difficult and really can set aside players that have uh, that know this card inside out and the cards that or the players that just want to have a fun time with it. You're not wrong either way. There's there's just a lot of layers to this one for sure. Oh yeah, there's a there's a huge, very tall um, skill ceiling for this. Mm -hmm. You know that involves things like mana manipulation. You know it's turn nine and you play them. Right out of hand, you might get offered a pyro if they're low on health for the mm -hmm. next turn. It's like, but you're going to die this turn if you don't clear him, but you need to manipulate the mana so that when you play him, you have seven mana left and he offers you the flame shark. There's so many different layers, like you had said, about this card mm -hmm. that honestly just fascinate me, not only as a player, but I want to know how they coded this card because it's insanity yeah. the layers that go into what, this if you haven't gone and listened to the angry chickens interview with celestalon they had an episode where they went pretty in depth on uh, the behind the scenes inner workings of the card and i i can't recommend that enough because it really is it, it's fascinating to hear how they were able to take a concept of just finding any card in the game <laughs> essentially was like the original idea and uh, uh, just pinpoint it down to really something that's going to be very fun and unique. And it took a lot of work to make this possible, but uh, really cool that they were able to do it. Yeah, I heard, um, I haven't listened to that, but I have heard through the grapevine that it originally was supposed to bring up your card collection. That was that's one the of the ideas, yeah. they designed yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Which that would have been insane. I, you know, I hadn't thought about this till now, but it was really smart for them to limit this to just classic and basic cards, because you remember when they first unleashed uh, Deathstalker Rexar, uh, they they were thinking that they were just going to limit that to the current pool of beasts, and the community was not happy with that. We wanted to see beasts continue to be added, and they decided, okay, we'll keep doing them, and uh, this was kind of a way to go around that and still make it extremely interesting. I haven't... there. I think there was one time I really thought, man, I really want this card from Rise of Shadows, but, uh, but it's okay that there's some limitations on there, and certainly it's going to keep the team sane and not pouring <laughs> way too much time and energy, uh, more time and energy into this card than they already have, so... Oh, yeah, I mean, that adds to the skill in my opinion in that there's a limited pool so you can kind of plan for what's there but also you know if we saw what happened when uh deathstalker rexar got updated mm -hmm. uh and i i mean my first and as of yet only golden hero is hunter because i just i love really okay hunter during that meta yeah. you know i loved it i love the way hunter plays in game and everything but man, uh i'm i'm happy to admit that I agree that Deathstalker Rexar was a huge problem. Uh, there was just so much versatility in that. And yeah. uh, if if they were to say, yeah, why don't we just keep adding cards to Zephyrus' Wish Pool, I don't think that would go very well. No, no, no. I think that all. would make it an, an entirely too powerful card. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. Very good choice of card. Very good choice of song as well. And hey, as we as we wrap up, great choice coming to listen to this episode. I really appreciate you being here because honestly, the whole point of the Happy Hearthstone is for us all to connect. Um, so. I would encourage you, whether you've been listening for a while or maybe this is even your very first episode, uh, what would it look like for you to take a next step in connecting with some other people? Uh, You know, a lot of what we talked about today as far as mindset about improving in the game happens in the context of community. And we've got a lot of ways for you to do that. Uh, One of them would just be to to come back for next week's episode. Uh, Honestly, if you're you're new to the show, I would love to have you uh, come and join me. I should be doing a solo cast then because we do sort of a, a handoff every other week. If you'd like to come and join me for an episode, you can do that by emailing me at thehappyhearthstone at gmail.com. You can also send in questions like I mentioned. You can leave an iTunes review. You can join our Patreon and the lovely people who are supporting the show and really investing in themselves through exclusive content, that inner fire community um, that Doge CK mentioned, and all sorts of other ways. You can do that at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And I have to give you a huge shout out, as always, to the producers of The Happy Hearthstone, Menach, Jay Miller, Mr. Blurry, and Mark P. Thank you for so much for being producers of The Happy Hearthstone, for uh, filling the tank around here, for making everything that we do possible. I, and I know I speak on behalf of the rest of the community, too, um, because it's it's not lost on me that not everyone can jump on Patreon and be a part of that. So on behalf of those people who wish that they could, but right now is just not the right time, thank you for so much um, for stepping up and making uh, some of the goals that we've got possible for the show. And uh, yeah, that's about everything I can think of. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew is Living. That's literally as much as I can think of. So, uh, Doshi K, it's been so awesome having you here on this show. Uh, for all the lovely folks who want to connect with you, and uh, I don't know, maybe we got some chess players who were like, "Man, I gotta, I gotta find this uh, my Hearthstone brethren who actually enjoys the game of chess too." Uh, how can they connect with you in the future? Uh, as of you, really, the only way right now is Twitter. Um, that's at DogeTK. That's D-O-G-E-T-K. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as active on that Twitter. I'm have, I have been more active on my personal Twitter, but I'm going to try to, you know, make sure that my gaming Twitter gets it. Um, other than that, I'm active in most of the popular Hearthstone discords. You know, this one, Off Curves, Coin Concedes, uh, and can just stay connected on there be, feel free to find me friend me and uh if you want to play chess we can talk about that you want to play hearthstone we can talk about that <laughs> or if you just want to you know see pictures of my doge which i always share when Aww. i get them uh she'll be there too <laughs> there you go no matter what you're set well hey man it really has been a blast uh, getting to hang with you and create this content together so thanks so much for taking the time uh, and, and sharing your passion and background i always love it when we have unique voices that come on and share their unique stories so uh, thanks so much for everything today man and thank you for having me i was happy to be here my pleasure and thank you so much for visiting the happy hearthstone and having a little fun with us we'll see you next time see you next time